0: Hey, this is Josh, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church podcast today. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at GraceOcala.org.
1: In August of uh 2003, the Church of the Holy Cross in New York City was broken into, not just once but twice within a few weeks. Now the first time that these broke in, they went to the money box that was resting next to the votive candle rack and they stole that. So clearly they needed some money or they wanted some. The next time they broke in, Maybe not the same group, but whoever broke in just a few weeks later took something more valuable. They went and actually unbolted the four-foot-long, 200-pound plaster Jesus in the meditation area. They literally took the statue of Christ, but they left the cross that he was hanging on. Now, the caretaker, a guy named David St. James, said... This is really ironic. He said they decided to take Jesus, but they left the cross. How do you know who Jesus is without the cross? That was a great metaphor for us today as we read Mark chapter 8 and what it means for us to pick up that cross and how much we want to not pick it up. And I'll confess right away, as I was thinking about these thieves and their choice to take Jesus and not the cross, I kinda get it. Not just the theft part. But, the part that I like Jesus who is clever and compassionate when he treats people well. I admire him for the clarity, for the balance that he has in his ethical teachings. I love the stories and the ways in which he communicates so clearly. How he's always several steps ahead of everybody else around around him when he's teaching. Jesus clearly is this incredible idea of what it means to be human that I want to grow more and more into. He's given us this model of what it means to live like him. And honestly, the whole world would be a lot better if we chose to live like Jesus. We talk about that fairly frequently. And I can tell you from a lot of the studies that have been done that I read, people who would never dream of coming to grace, folks who would never even darken the door of a church, They're very attracted to this figure of Jesus because of what he did, of who he is. But it's the cross. It's his cross that we need to look at today. And that makes things a lot more complicated. Because some of us are not too ready to get near that cross. And by that I mean we begin to think about the blood and the violence and the cruelty that is in the cross. And we think, doesn't the world already have enough of that? Do we need to think of more horrors that are going on, that have gone on, particularly in the name of God? Who wants to associate Jesus with that kind of thing? And I get it, I really do. Sometimes it'd be nice to separate Jesus from the death and the sacrifice and the violence that is in the cross. There's another reason that I'm inclined to take just Jesus and leave the cross because there are times that I look at that cross and I wonder why Why did he have to suffer to me now? I understand and I bet you do too that the cross is a place of gratitude because of What it means for me, but I have to confess that I don't fully understand why Jesus would voluntarily die to pay the price for my sins now Some of you right now are probably thinking, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible talk about this? In fact, it does. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it pretty clearly when the Apostle Paul writes, I want to remind you of the good news I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken a stand, this gospel by which you were saved, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So Paul is telling us, what theologians describe as the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. So don't don't get too freaked out here. A little bit of theology, it's good for you. It's like medicine. You need it. If you don't have this, you say dumb things later, so listen. (laughs) Substitutionary atonement is this doctrine that Jesus voluntarily substituted himself in our place, took on punishment that should have been ours, because of our sin. He actually threw himself in front of evil's bullets so that we wouldn't be destroyed by it. He pushed us out of the path of judgment that was coming straight at us because of our sin. And he was the one who in that divine court went to the judge and said, Your honor, I'll be executed in their place. Let them go. Jesus substituted himself. For us, And there is this incredible mystery that we, as his followers, are now united in about why he would do this. And if you haven't already, in this Lenten season that we're in right now, I want you to think about the amazing work that is this truth. I hope that you accept it by faith. I hope that you realize that Jesus offered himself... As a sacrifice that was worthy and weighty enough to cancel all the debt of our sin. That's the work of the atonement. And Christ made it possible enough so that we could put all of our faith and trust in him and be at one with God because of that work. Jesus died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. Which means that there are times that I'd rather not consider taking up the cross. Because I don't have to, it seems. I think the reason that I and maybe you don't want to get too close to the cross is because I don't want to shed any blood. I don't want to suffer if I don't have to. Because when it comes right down to it, a lot of us aren't sure at all if we want to follow and be formed by Jesus if it means Suffering if it means picking up our own cross, but here's the thing Christian Here's the thing brothers and sisters following Jesus does mean that we have to take up our own cross That's what he said in mark 8 today forgiveness of sins and the blessing of eternal life Come through accepting what he did on the cross and embracing even more fully the fact that to be formed into his image And to know that abundant life that he's offered us comes through taking up our cross. Listen again to what we just read in Mark 8. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, What can they give in return for their life these are the words that he's compelling us with now as i was thinking about this message this week i heard about a sermon i heard a sermon by a guy named peter height and it was very provocatively titled marriage a sneaky way to get a person crucified When I heard that, I was like, no, wait a minute, come on, man, that's a, little, that's a little rough. It seemed a little crazy to me. What does marriage have to do with crucifixion? But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that marriage has a lot to do with crucifixion because most folks who sign up for marriage don't do so because they are dying to learn how to deny themselves, how to lose their old way of life, and yet that's exactly what happens. When folks are getting married, they don't typically go in thinking, you know what, I'm so glad this is going to be so hard. <laughs> Thank goodness that all my character defects and all my flaws will be displayed before someone else and they can say really mean things about them. I can't wait. And yet that's what happens sometimes in a healthy marriage. I've done a lot of pre-marriage counseling and yet... Nobody I've ever counseled has gone into marriage or any other covenant in life because they're eager to suffer. Why would they? Why would you? Who is eager to suffer? It's like having the, summer for, the, the logo for a summer camp be a giant mosquito. <laughs> Awful. But when you listen to the way of Jesus, that seems to be his way. This is what he says in lots of other places than what we read today. Turn the other cheek. Pray for those who persecute you. Forbid yourself from not only touching lustfully, but from looking lustfully. Visit criminals in prison. Don't visit the innocent in prison. Visit the criminals, he says. Give money to the poor, the needy, and the broken. And then trust that God will use it even if you think you can use it better. This is a very demanding way of life. It's hard. It's hard. It's challenging. And yet that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to in Mark 8. A.W. Tozer, a Christian author and leader who I respect and love to read, was very concerned about the generation that he was a part of, that they would lose this battle, that they would not choose suffering. And actually, he was writing in the 1930s and the 40s. So see if his words still fit for today. You tell me. He wrote this. We live in a spiritually troubled time in history. Christianity has gone over to the jingle bell crowd. Everyone is just delighted that Jesus has done all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the dying, so that we don't have to. 1930 and 40, I don't know if it's a whole lot different today. Instead of being ashamed of his words, instead of trying to domesticate Jesus' teachings, instead of avoiding the pain of our own cross, I think we need to embrace it. By the way, this pain avoidance, it's not a new way for Christians. St. Augustine, maybe you've heard of him. 5th century AD, he wrote this. Sounds like this is from today. It is necessary to die, but nobody wants to. We want to reach the kingdom of God, but we don't want to travel by the way of death. And yet there it stands, saying, this way, please. So why is it so important that we take up our cross? What does the Bible say? Well, here's what it says. We take up our cross so that we may live more fully. So that we may live more fully. When Jesus called us to die to our old selves, it was so that his self, his heart, his soul, his mind, his strength would be more fully alive in each of you. So it's not just about giving up yourself. It's about allowing Jesus to be more fully present in you. And today's gospel reminds us not to trade down in life when we foolishly think we're trading up. We've got to stop buying into the gain-the-whole-world mentality. That's the rage of every century. Because every time we do that, we forfeit our own soul. We miss our shot at a real and renewing life instead. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to choose the way of the cross. To choose the crossroads to go into the way that is foolishness in the eyes of the world to deny the very self that we are being constantly told to coddle, to preserve, to expand, and be willing to stand alone in the wilderness, be willing to embrace the very thing that will make your life harder, harder so that you can know him more fully. Now taking the crossroad requires some pretty conscious steps so let me give you a couple here very briefly the first step is that we have to obviously make a decision to follow Christ there are other models there are plenty of other pathways that are being presented to us so the question that you have to ask yourself is how much do you really want to be like Jesus if we decide to pursue the way of Jesus then we have to accept the fact that there is this progressive death to self required not just once But again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and right when you're really sick and tired of it, again. Ourselves have to die that Christ's self might become alive in us. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we have to start down that crossroad and then resolve to not turn back, particularly when it gets hard. And that's gonna be the challenge. Because, you see, in Jesus' day as today, crucifixion, crucifixion isn't quick. It isn't painless. The outcome is good, but it takes time. So what you have to decide is, is this life, this new life in him, is it worth it? And when you make that decision in your mind, you stick with it. Now, as I was thinking about what that looks like in our world today, I couldn't help but be moved by billy graham he passed away this week at age 99 and i don't know if you've looked at any of the stuff that's out there we sent you an email this week about his life that christianity today put together really terrific stuff and i was reading various stories about him and i came across this really neat story about him and his daughter anne when she was 17 actually it was a story that she wrote when she was 17 she was involved in a in a car accident she had been speeding going too fast, down the mountain road in North Carolina by their house, and she ran into their neighbor, Mrs. Pickering. Now, Anne, like a lot of 17-year-olds, was afraid of her dad, and she didn't want to tell him about the accident, so she did the only logical thing she could think of. She didn't go home. She stayed away from her house, as long as she could. But then, eventually, it was time for her to go home. She had to, so she thought, okay, I'll go home, and I'll sneak in, I'll go to my bedroom, Maybe he won't see me. Maybe he won't miss the car. You know 17-year-olds. They're not always thinking things through. She starts going into her house, sneaking to her bedroom. She runs into her dad in the kitchen. There he is. And this is what she wrote about what happened next. I paused for what seemed a very long moment, frozen in time. Then I ran to him. I threw my arms around his neck. I I told him about my wreck, how I had driven too fast, how I had smashed into our neighbor's car. I told him it wasn't her fault, it was all mine. As I wept on his shoulder, I said, he said four things to me. And I knew about your wreck, Mrs. Pickering came straight up the mountain and told me about it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to come home and tell me about it. Two, I love you. Three, we can fix the car. And four, you're going to be a better driver because of this. You see, brothers and sisters, sooner or later, we're all going to be a part of a wreck. And we think that wreck is somehow a bad thing, that it's it's wrong. And, oh, God, why did this happen? Why are you doing this? But instead, it is this place where we can resolve, again, not to run, not to hide, not to turn back to our old habits. Instead, to embrace the difficulties of those moments, remembering that our Heavenly Father knows what's going on, still loves us, He can fix this and will grow us because of our wrecks. So where are the crossroads for you? What needs to be crucified in you today? What needs to become dead and buried? At what intersection do you need to make that conscious choice to remain in the company of Jesus and to know the fullness of his life or will we continue to be like the thieves from the first story stealing Jesus but leaving his cross I'm here to tell you brothers and sisters there is no such thing as a crossless Christianity it doesn't exist so the choice is before you today I want you to choose the way of the cross I want you to know him in his fullness. So let me pray. Father, we thank you that though you could have forced this cross on us, you haven't. You have given us a moment, an opportunity for us to, in fact, pick it up on our own. And I pray, Lord, for whatever crosses the folks here today are bearing, for the the places of suffering that they are, that you would remind them that this is a place of redemption, that you aren't causing this suffering you aren't making them to be in this pain because you get joy from it but because you want them to know you fully and to live more like you and i pray god that we we would stop just thinking about ourselves that we would stop trying to do life the easiest way thank you father that you embrace that cross that you showed us how and because of that we are whole help us to live that whole
0: life today in your name we pray We're so glad you've been a part of our conversation today. Our prayer is that you will take what you've heard and bring it to the Lord with the question, what would you have me do? To find out more about all the good things that are happening on our campus and how you can get involved, feel free to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on our website, graceocala.org. Go in peace.